It's good to see y'all here today. Before I get too wound up, I want to back up to last week just for a little bit here and uh, kind of catch some folks up that wasn't here last week. Last week we talked about the reality of hell. And we talked about two things that would help keep us out of hell or away from hell. And the main one was that our faith continues to grow stronger. That not just grows stronger, but grows, period. And we discovered the important reason for our strength not only getting stronger, but growing is because our faithfulness will be rewarded. Now, something else that we talked about when we talk about hell, I brought the point out that that you probably had people talk to you and wonder what hell is about. They may question how to get to to heaven, but you probably haven't ever had anybody ask you, well, I wonder what hell's like. Or how do you go to hell? Because a lot of people probably think in their minds, and we've talked about this in the weeks past, that 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 uh, you know, people think because they're good, they're automatically going to go to heaven. And we've shot holes in that and see that that's not true. But a lot of people don't think hell is a real place because they can't see it. And so I told you there's a lot of things, or not a lot of things, but some things that we can't see that we know is real. For instance, the wind. We can't see the wind. We can feel the wind. We can hear the wind. We can see that the wind is blowing. Another thing that I mentioned to y'all was radio waves. We know that radio waves are real. And the other thing that I mentioned was emotions. Emotions are real because we feel them. We experience them, but we can't see them. Now, I tell you all that, and I'm going to ask you an important question about faith here in a minute because we're going to talk about faith again today. Now, when you start talking about faith, faith is not something that you just talk about. Faith is something that must be demonstrated by the way we walk, by the way we talk, by the way we live. Matter of fact, Paul Harvey, everybody's heard of Paul Harvey, the radio announcer. And Paul Harvey said this. He said, if you don't live it, you don't believe it. And there's biblical basis for that. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a question. Can your faith be seen? Can your faith be seen? You said yes. You're absolutely right. Now, the Bible tells us in James 2.8, it says, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, I'm going to show you something else here in just a second. I want you to be hidden to the Gospel of Mark, the second chapter. And when you get to the Gospel of Mark, the second chapter, it's going to be a very familiar story. There's no telling how many times I've preached on this particular particular Scripture. But in the fifth verse of Mark 2, you're going to see that Jesus makes the statement... And he says, Jesus saw their faith. Now when you get to Mark 2, 
And you start reading. We're going to read it here briefly in just a second. But you're going to see in verse 5 that Jesus says, I saw their faith. Now, most people will say that you can't see faith. Why? Because people say that faith isn't in the physical realm. It isn't in the visible realm. But me being the blabbermouth preacher that I am, I'm here to beg to differ. And I'm going to show you that your faith can be seen. Mary, you're absolutely right in your assumption. Now, how do I know that? Because Jesus is going to say in this scripture that we're going to read that he saw the faith of these four men. So let's turn to Mark, the second chapter. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to look at this whole little story today. Y'all got it? Amen? Amen. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised or heard that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much about the door, or not even near the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now I want to stop right there. Keep your Bibles open and let me visit with you today about a verse about a faith that can be seen. Now in verse 1, there's something that jumped out at me. And you're going to have to bear with me here for just a minute because i got to go chasing rabbits. But there's something there in verse 1 that jumped out at me. And what it was, was it says that Jesus was in the house. Did y'all see that? It says Jesus was in the house. At least the, the King James Version that I read out of, that, that's what it says. Now, generally it is thought of this way, that when it says in the house, that that's just an expression, that that's a figure of speech, which means that he was at home. But in fact, that, that's, that's kind of what, if you're looking at the NIV translation, that's kind of what it translates. But it seems like to me that the translation should be that the people heard and, and when they heard that Jesus was in the house or, or Jesus had come home. Now, reason being here is this. We know that Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And Capernaum and Nazareth are not that far apart. But if you go to the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, don't turn there because I'm not going to be reading. I'm going to just tell you real quick what happens there. But it says that when Jesus went back to Nazareth, this was after Jesus was baptized after he was tempted in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, he went back home. Home was Nazareth at the time. But if you remember, Jesus was so uh, 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 disliked. You know, Jesus was not accepted by the very people that he had grew up with that he left Nazareth and went to Capernaum. Now, that's what we're, we just read. Now, Capernaum is a fishing village that was on the Sea of Galilee. And this was Jesus' home base for his three years 
of public ministry. So, what does it mean when it says that Jesus was in the house? Now, I want you to think about that. That, that kind of got my attention. In other words, this was his home. Perhaps his mother and his brothers had moved to Capernaum. We don't know. Others have speculated that this was Peter's house and that Jesus was living with, uh, you know, in a room there with the family of Peter and Andrew. Or maybe Jesus had a home of his own. Not one necessarily that he owned, but a place that he used, uh, a place that he could go to, to where you might say he could unwind. But regardless of the specifics, and we'll get down to business now, regardless of specifics or the particulars or the data, it says that Jesus was in the house, and when the people found out that Jesus was there, they began to gather in. So that tells us that Jesus was already gathering quite a following by this time. That he's becoming somewhat popular. Uh, a prominent individual, if, if uh, you could say it that way. So people were following him. Why? Because they were attracted to his ministry. They, they were, uh, you know, beholding his teaching. And, and the thing about it is, Jesus was in the house and people just flocked to him. Wouldn't it be cool today if the house would fill up because Jesus was there? It would be neat, wouldn't it? But that's another story. But here's what blew me away about this little deal so far. I wonder why these people were able to walk into the house where Jesus was. Have you ever thought about that? Did you look at what Scripture said or have we not read that part yet? The house filled up. It blew me away because the Bible said that many people came to where Jesus was. So many people came that there was no more room available. And we're going to see why that's important here in a minute. But here's what I want you to see. You have to remember that in Palestine, Palestine, things were different than they are now. In Palestine, people would get up early in the morning and they would just open the doors of their house and whoever wanted to come in could come in. You could just come and go in whatever house you wanted to. So we see when people found out that Jesus was in the house, the house filled up. It is what it did. Now, so that, that's the reason why. The only reason doors were shut was if there was some need for some specific privacy. All right, let's read some more before I get ahead of myself here. Verse 3, Mark 2. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, paralysis, which was born or carried by a four. And when they could not come nigh or near unto him, Jesus, from the press or the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, 
They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, there's that term again. When Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the, the sick of the palsy, Son, thy son sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, Why doeth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why, ye, why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power, that word power is authority, on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way unto thy house, thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Or they were saying, We ain't never seen anything like this before. Y'all think I'm being foolish when I say that, but that's the way that translates, folks. Amen, sister. I figured somebody had that translation. So now we see that this house is so filled up and overcrowded that they're even out into the streets and everyone's trying to get near Jesus to hear His preaching, to hear His teaching. Man, I'd love it if this church filled up like that and there was people standing out there in the streets, Joe boy. I'd really have to talk loud. We'd have to open the windows. But that's what they were trying to do. Now, the Bible says that they came to him, they, these four men, bringing this paralyzed individual. And when they come near to him, or they could not come near to him because the place was so crowded. Now, they uncovered the roof where he was. They uncovered the roof. And when they had broken through, they let this man down on his pallet. Right there in front of Jesus. And I keep going back to that, that term. Jesus saw their faith. And here's what I want you to see. What's the first thing Jesus says to this man when he's laying there in front of him? He says, your sins are forgiven. Did you notice? He didn't say, you're healed from your paralysis. He said, your sins are forgiven. Jesus tended to what needed to be tended to first. Now I'll talk more about that here in a minute. So in other words, when Jesus said that, I want you to see that these guys' trust in Jesus was very bold. Their trust in Jesus was very active. Now, there's always when something good happens, Joe boy, 
There's always got to be somebody stir up trouble. They just can't leave well enough alone. And everything was just fine. Jesus didn't even say anything about them knocking a hole in the roof. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But He says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And people couldn't be happy about it. Notice there was some of the scribes in this little story. Some of the church elite. Some of the pillars of the community. The important people. All right, let me say it the way it needs to be saying. There were some of the hell raisers there. And they couldn't stand it. They had to cause trouble. And they were reasoning in their heart. They were murmuring. All right, let me put it in plain English. They were grappling and complaining is what they were doing. And notice what they say. Notice what they say. Basically, they're saying, who does this Jesus guy think he is anyway? There's nobody can forgive sin but God alone. Does it say that? Amen. They were all right with God, but they weren't all right with Jesus. So they start coming up with this trouble. So that tells us what? That tells us not only when good things start happening, is people going to hate you, but they're going to start hating Jesus as well. They couldn't leave it alone. So let's just put a pin here, and let's just visit for the, with this for a minute. And let's look at this point in this place in Scripture. Because I believe that there is a word for each one of us here today. In this little, there's, there's a whole lot of lessons we can learn from this story. But the first thing that jumped out at me is this. No matter what you are going through in your life. And all of us have challenges. We have difficulties. We have uh, uh, challenging circumstances. We have stressful moments. No matter what you're going through, no matter how hard the enemy tries to discourage you or depress you or deject you or dishearten you, it doesn't matter what people say about you. You have got to make your mind up that you are just going to press your way through and allow God to take care of the rest. And that's what we see going on here. And I know... I know that Jesus will come through for you because Jesus has come through for me. And the Bible says immediately that when Jesus figured out what these scribes were saying, the way they were acting, immediately He felt this dissension and He said there, why are you sitting here? tripping over these things in your hearts. Why are you sitting here complaining? Why are you so irritable? I believe somewhere, and I should have looked this up, but Jesus said that He was going to be a stumbling block. 
And that's what we see these scribes do. They're stumbling all over Jesus and Him working the miracle. They just can't stand it. He says, which is easier? Which is easier to say? Your, son, your sins are forgiven or arise and walk? Which is easier to say? What do y'all want me to tell this guy? But he goes on to say, the Son of Man has power on earth. I told you that word power is authority. He has the authority to forgive sins. And what just wears me out about this, he is calling these guys out. They're acting like a bunch of blooming idiots. They're acting like a bunch of morons. And we see this happening in the society that we live all the time. Watch out, I'm getting on fire. We see this happening all the time. What's the word you see more on the news than anything else now? There's one word. Backlash. Backlash. Somebody says something, and then people start calling them out and correcting them, and we start backpedaling in a hurry. That's not what I meant. I guess it's kind of like my old World War II veteran daddy, do what I tell you, not what I say. I didn't. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's calling them out. He's saying, why are y'all sitting here doing this? Why can't you just be happy for this guy? I'm not only going to heal him spiritually, I'm going to heal him physically. But no, y'all got to sit here and just cause trouble. Just leave it alone. But here's what really impressed me about it. Jesus calls them out. But he didn't care one iota about what they were saying. He didn't care about what anybody was saying or what everybody was saying around town. He says to this paralyzed man, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and walk and go on to your house. And here's the other cool thing I like. This paralyzed man is now healed physically and spiritually and he don't care what the people thought either because he came up there for healing. He came there with expectation. He came there with hope. And the Bible says immediately he took up his bed and he went out in the presence of them all and they were so amazed that they glorified God and they said, we ain't ever seen anything like that before. I'd dance for y'all a little bit, but I might get in trouble. But I figure he was dancing his way out of there. He was happy. And here's the newsflash for you. Here's the newsflash. When you are not part of the king's principle, you're not going to see it. You're going to completely miss it. And that's where these scribes were. When you sit around... Pouting, 
When you sit around tripping over the things of God, you're never going to see it. When you're getting mad because you're being called out because of that sin you're committing in your life, you're not going to see it. And I need to tell you, there's a lot of lessons that we could gain and a lot of lessons that we could learn from this passage. Not the least of which is that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. But I want to draw your attention to that phrase in verse 5. Jesus saw their faith. I love that one. You see, while, while this crowd was trying to get closer to Jesus. We see these four men came bringing this paralyzed man on a pallet. Now don't think of a pallet like we think of a pallet nowadays, that wood thingy that you stack stuff on. Think of a, like, like a quilt or something that you put on the floor that you sleep on when there's not enough beds. That kind of pallet. And one point... I want to make is this. Some of these people that were crowding into this house, they wasn't coming there to worship. They were coming there to be nosy. They were coming there to be seen because, oh, we're so important. They were coming to complain. They were coming to see what they could add to their Facebook timeline. They were coming to see what they could put on TikTok. Okay, those things didn't exist. I get it. But you see, they were there for all the wrong reasons. They wanted, you know, they, they wanted to see. They did not come there because they were hopeless. They didn't come there wanting to praise. They didn't come there wanting to worship. They didn't come there expecting. They came there to cause trouble. If all you want to do is cause trouble, stay at home. Just stay at home. Now, something you need to understand about Capernaum. Maybe y'all know this, maybe you don't. But Capernaum was not an easy place to get around in because of the way the city was designed. And especially if you were disabled. Basically, if you were in Capernaum and you were disabled, you had to be like this guy and rely on your friends to get you around or you didn't get around too good. So this guy's got four of his friends helping him. And they wanted to see Jesus. But there was no way that they could get through the doors. The crowd was too massive. So what could they possibly do? This was important. This was of utmost importance. They had to see Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. They had a guy that was in need. That needed to see Jesus. And they made their minds up that they were going to see Jesus. It's like I tell folks, you know, I'm good at barking orders. And when people look at me and say, I can't do that, I say it's time to get inventive. Put some initiative behind it. That's what these four guys do. 
They could not get there, so they say, oh, some way, somehow, we're going to get there. We're not going to let anything stop us. Now in Palestine, Palestine, the roofs were flat. They were used for resting for a quiet time. Drying clothes, storing stuff. I could go on and on. But if you were to go to 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, verse 19, you will see that Elijah, who was told to go to a certain place, that there was a widow that was going to take care of her, and her son died, and he carried that boy up on the roof and brought him back to life. It was a place of solitude. If you go to Acts, the 10th chapter, you will see that Peter was up on the rooftop when he went into a trance and he had a vision and he saw this sheep coming down for heaven. Don't discredit these flat rooftops. Now generally, there was stairs that went up the wall up to this flat roof. In this flat roof, there were beams roughly three foot apart. And then they would put like grass or limbs across there, put wet clay in there, and let it get dry. And then they would put dirt over the top. Now how that stopped water from getting in, I don't know. But that's not the point. What I want you to see here is, and I'm telling you that, it wouldn't have been too hard for these guys to get a hole through that roof. And that's what they did. Didn't do a lot of damage. The Bible says that they uncovered the roof and then this paralyzed man was lowered down to where Jesus was. And when Jesus saw their faith, He healed that man. Now I want you to think about this for a moment and then we're going to go. I want you to think about this. If you were going to go visit a famous rabbi who had a rather large following, who possessed a certain degree of prominence, and if you wanted to show respect to that rabbi, which Jewish people were taught to show respect to individuals such as that, and you wanted him to heal your friend, you would certainly try to make a good impression on him, don't you think? Is what you would want to do. You would want to treat him well. The last thing you would want to do is tear a roof hole in the man's roof. You know, destroy his house and then ask him for a favor and say, Hey, Jesus, can you heal this friend of ours right quick? 
That's about like the game warden riding his bicycle two miles from the county road, writing you a ticket, and then saying, will you haul me back to my pickup? Now, if y'all are anything like me, you would say, I hate to tell you, Mr. Officer, sir, but there ain't no way under God's shining sun that I'm going to do that. But that's exactly what they did. They tore a hole in his roof. Now, why were these guys so adamant about what they were doing? Why were they so adamant about it getting close to Jesus? Undoubtedly, they had heard talk about this Jesus guy. And how he said that the Son of Man came to seek and to save those that were lost. How he was a great shepherd and that he would leave the 99 sheep in the pen and go find that one that was lost. That he was the great physician who had come for the sick rather than the well. I am sure that throughout Jesus' teaching in His early ministry, He repeatedly made the point that He came for those that were in need. He came to those that were broken, who were hurting, who were desperate, who was hopeless. And that's who He focused on. And you have to realize the whole time Jesus was preaching His public ministry, He was God's representative on the face of the earth. And He wanted to meet people's needs. The reason these men were so adamant, I believe that they understood who Jesus was and they trusted that who He was and said He was and that He could help His Friends, and what they were boldly saying is, if you say all of this stuff is true, we're going to trust you and we're not going to worry about this building, so we're going to tear a hole in your roof and we're going to let our friend down in there, the very kind of person that you said you came for, and we're going to ask you to heal him. So they went to great distances. Did some kind of questionable things to accomplish their mission. So let me ask you a question this evening. Is there anything bold about your faith? Is there anything bold about your faith? Are you willing to go through some tough times to get to Jesus? How about doing what Jacob did? You remember Jacob who wrestled all night long with this angel? He grabbed him. He held on to him. 
And he said, I am not going to let you go till I get what I want. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Are you willing to grab a hold until Jesus, until God blesses you? And I need to tell you this evening that it's all right to have that kind of boldness. Because a Hebrew writer says that's the kind of boldness we need to approach the throne of grace. Forget your, your place there in Mark and go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. You should know what's coming before we even read this. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, look in verse 15. Y'all got it? Amen? Amen. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. That word be touched is sympathized with the feeling of our infirmities or our weakness, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come, what? What's that word boldly mean? Confidently unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do y'all remember what I told y'all last week about doing good? I told y'all to do the good you can do while you can do it, but I also told you that you were equipped by the Spirit of God to do that good. What do you see these four guys doing for this paralyzed man? They went above and beyond the call of duty to get him the help that he needed. So this hole in the roof wasn't any big deal for Jesus. People have always been, people will always be more important to Him than any building. So He saw both their faith and the action that they put behind it and He healed these men. This man. So that tells us that when we are in need, we need to be drawing nearer to Jesus. Getting closer to Him. Why? So we can obtain our blessing. Folks, He's still healing people. He's still blessing people. It's still the same Jesus. But He's just waiting to see our faith. And then, He will heal us, bless us, whatever we need. Can your faith be seen? 
By the way you walk, you talk, you live, can your faith be seen? We have the perfect example of it right here. These four guys wasn't thinking about themselves. They was thinking about their friend. They wasn't looking for anything from Jesus. They just needed to get their friend there. And they went through a lot of trouble to do that. And because of their willingness to help, Jesus saw their faith. Let your faith be seen through your actions and do it with a degree of boldness. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You for all You do for us, Father, all the blessings You give us. Father, we just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. Father, I thank You for this church, this church family. Certainly we thank You for the privilege of being in Your house today to hear Your Word proclaimed, Father. Help each one of us demonstrate the boldness that we see in this little story today in these four gentlemen. Father, just thank You for loving us. We ask You to forgive us where we fail You. Father, as we leave this place today, just continue to use us in Your service, Father. Protect us in this very challenging world that we live in. Help us be that bright light in a dark world. Father, for all the folks that are ailing, that are hurting, the ones that are not with us today, those we have on our prayer list, we come to You with boldness now. Ask for healing. Asking for the need that they have to be met. Asking that You move in a special way that they know that You're very close to them. Father, we just ask that You watch over us and care for us. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.